You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! What's up, Saints fans? Welcome to Inside Black and Gold Law. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we have a very special guest today. Our first ever Super Bowl champion appearing on the pod. I'm pretty excited about that, Jeff. Is it really? How sad is that? This is our first Super Bowl winner, and he's a two-timer. He went to three straights. Chris Hogan, former Saints Patriots wide receiver, was kind enough to come on with us today. So we'll have him in the second and third segment. We're going to you know, talk about kind of his time with the Saints because he was with the Saints for, you know, it's funny. You say, you, you know, your line is like, oh, we got a cup of coffee with this team. Right. But I mean, he got several cups of coffee. He was here for five games. Like it's long enough to get an impression uh, and he spent time with them in Dallas. He had a home game in Jacksonville. Yeah, he played one game in the Superdome against the Giants, which is funny because he's from Jersey originally. So it was, a, it was a nice thing. They blew that game. He also was on the Saints for the game up in New England against the Patriots when they faced uh, Mr. Mac Jones there as a rookie. So you know, he's got some interesting insights. So I'm looking forward to that interview. But in this first segment, we are going to kind of dive into the, you know, what we learned this week, the latest on injuries. Uh, you know, Derek Carr looks like he's going to, you know, if he, if he played last week, he's going he's to play this week. Uh, and so hopefully, as I said, uh, you know, I'm honestly hoping 
and I said this after the game, that his injury, that his shoulder injury was a lot more impactful for his game than he was letting on because he didn't play very well. The film bears that out. And I just, in the the best case scenario is that he was dealing with the shoulder and it impacted him in, in more ways than he's willing to admit rather than this offense regressed, you know? So we'll get into a bit of that. Um, but Steve, kind of what, what has been kind of your your impression of the Saints this week in in terms of like like I, I I know a lot of people are frustrated I feel I I feel it you know there's a there's a big crosshair on Pete Carmichael everyone is putting all of the blame on him you know I think it's merited to an extent and then it's you also need someone like, to be the sacrificial lamb right yeah someone someone someone's always going to end up the you know in the in the crosshairs and he's the guys and he's the guy to blame and. And I understand it, but you know where where are you where do you land on all this? Uh, still waiting to see that run game get going for this squad, and I think that'll help alleviate a lot, actually, a lot of the issues, just because they haven't been able to establish that physical presence uh, on offense there, and being able to you know grind out that yardage and control the clock, keeping the other team off the, the other offense off the field, and. Alvin Kamara's first game back, great. But he's really not that between-the-tackles guy either for them. And just curious about the usage of what they plan on doing going forward. Uh, you know, rookie Kendra Miller, uh, Tony Jones Jr. kind of thing. I still believe, you know, we're still waiting for, obviously, Jamal Williams to come back from the injured reserve. We still got time for that. But who we're dealing with right now, I just want to see, even with uh, Taysom Hill has been a good, uh, pretty good with his yards per carry. But other than that, the Saints run game has really been abysmal. And I think that's hurt a lot. It hasn't helped. Um, you know, and uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, Nick Underhill got a good, did a good interview with uh, Alvin Kamara in the locker room this week. And he, he talked about that. Like, it's like we, th- this team, you know, it's funny because last year there was a point where I was like, this is a running team now. Like they, yeah. like, they beat up the Seahawks on the ground. Then they played, faced the Bengals in a game they lost, but they ran right. for like 228 yards. And it kind of felt like, at that point, they were like, well, we can't even win when we run for 228 yards. we got to do something differently. But I almost think that was a, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of what ended up happening in, in Pete Carmichael's head was like, well, if that didn't work, so let's try something else. But it's like, no, 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 no. Stick with that. Go back to that. Impose your will. And, I, you know, I think, you know, and to, to be fair, you know, and a lot of people are critical of that second half performance by the Saints and for good reason. I actually think we saw some encouraging signs on those two extended drives where, you know why those drives were extended? Because you ran the ball, because you got Alvin Kamara established, and then you were able to get some other things done. They bogged down, and and it's like there's there's a point where it's like, man, okay, well, we did this, we did this, let's do something else. It's like, no, let's keep doing that. Just get It's working. Go for it. You know, allow the offensive line to impose its will. And I think we've seen the offensive line improve the last couple weeks, and one of the ways you can help that offensive line continue to to be that way is to run the ball. You know, they pass protection isn't an issue when you're running the ball. You know, play action works when you can run the ball. And, uh, you know, it, obviously, you know, 11 carries for 51 yards isn't fantastic. But it was, you know, you, you saw a lot of hard first downs earned that you did not see in weeks one through three. And that's the difference between having Alvin Kamara and not having Alvin Kamara. One thing that that came that that is important to note this week, Cesar Ruiz is back. He was not on the injury report, which to me indicates that he has cleared the concussion protocol completely. So that that will allow James Hurst to go back to left guard completely. I talked to him in the locker room, and I, 
I asked him, it's like, does it feel like you've kind of been on a trampoline the last two weeks? Cause it's like, Oh, you're a left guard. Now you're a right guard. Now you're a left guard. Now you're at right guard. And you know, it's funny because there we, we had a conversation with him in training camp specifically about him saying like, you know, moving from left tackle to guard is actually not that difficult of a transition. Now, bouncing from one side of the line to the other is a difficult transition because you got to kind of retrain your brain. Just think about it. You do everything with your right hand. Suddenly try to write your name with your left hand. And it's like, you know, like it's just your body, your brain trains yourself to do one thing. And then all of a sudden you got to do it all backwards, you know, and that's not easy for anybody. And then during this week, he, he knew he was going to be at right guard. So he had all week to rep it and kind of train himself, train himself, train himself. And then halfway through the game, Andres Pete goes out and uh, he's back at left guard. So, you know, I think just the consistency there is going to be helpful. Andres Pete, on the other hand, looks like he's going to miss the game. He did not practice on Wednesday. He's in the concussion protocol. So, you know, I, I don't know. You'll, you'll figure that out. Hopefully they're coming up with a way so that if one of their two guards does go out, the person who comes in is able to come in at that spot rather than changing positions. But that's one I thing. Was, I was kind of surprised to see an issue pop up at center that wasn't expected. Eric McCoy dealing with an ankle issue. Yes. Uh, and that's, you know, lower body injuries have been concern, a concern for him in the past. Um, it has been calf, a calf injury previously that uh, he, he's dealt with a calf injury each of the past two seasons where he's missed time. But, you know, so yeah, anytime you're, you're an offensive lineman who has been struggling regardless of that. Uh, like I think he's had a really rough start to his season is, uh, is definitely not great, but otherwise you haven't, there weren't a ton of surprises on this the, the initial injury report, Jawan Johnson's on there with a calf injury. Lonnie Johnson is on there with a hamstring injury. Neither guy practiced. Um, Paulson Adebo is back. He was limited on Wednesday, but that's a good sign for him. I think that will help just this team in general kind of reset at, at, in the secondary. They still are without Marcus May for another week. He's suspended. But, you know, like I was talking about on the last podcast, I think Adebo being out has not been a huge let down in terms of, I think Isaac Yadam has played very well, but I do think it's requ- it's forced Alante Taylor to do a bit too much or to have to do a bit too much at that slot corner position. When you were, whereas you would really just like to, you know, he's still learning. Like we, we came into the season talking about how we need him to kind of learn in the slot at warp speed. Like he's got to kind of accelerate the curve there. And then after two games, suddenly he's got to think about all this other stuff. He's got to shift inside, outside and base and, that's not helpful. And so hopefully that, that'll that allow him to kind of hone in on that uh, a little bit more. But otherwise, I think they're in, you know, reasonably speaking, they're in good, they're in a good position injury wise. Derek Carr threw on Wednesday. So, it, it, you know, I think they're in good shape. We want to see what happens with the rookie, Brian Brzee. He's dealing with an illness. I don't know how serious that is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you were correct. I was wrong. Jimmy Graham and Ryan Ramchick did rest. They got their rest day. But, and Ryan also was on there with a foot thing i don't know uh it's one of those situations where it says not injury related slash rest <laughs> but then also foot so He's why didn't you foot. just say foot yeah i don't know uh they're, they're resting the foot maybe yeah we also sore. talked to jordan go ahead and i was just saying it was a little sore yeah we also talked to jordan howden he kind of like keyed us in on what he was dealing with, with his finger injury it said, said something along the lines of he like sliced it open it sounds like it wasn't a football related thing like it just okay. happened um, and I think he had to have a procedure on it. It was, you know, and when he missed a game with a finger injury, he kind of assumed it was a little more significant than just like a broken finger. Cause if it was just a broken finger or something, you could have just braced it up and uncovered it and been fine. I think he had to have a procedure on it 
And it, I think it's something where along the lines of like, yeah, you need to not take any major blows to not damage the, re- the repairs that they had done. And, and I think it was somewhere in like the knuckle, like his, his major knuckle here, which is, as you can imagine, is a little bit more difficult to deal with than like, say you kind of just like, you know, for example, like Taysom Hill with a mallet finger, like you're not missing a game because your finger is stuck like this. But yeah, so it sounds like he's going to be back. He was a full participant in practice. So that'll be helpful in the secondary for me because you're another week without Marcus May. So, you know, from an injury front, that's kind of where we're at. Happy to see Foster back too. Yeah, that is good. And uh, Eric's, Eric, to correct that, Eric McCoy is dealing with a knee. Oh, a knee, not ankle. Sorry. Yeah. Foster is dealing with an ankle. Gotcha. Uh, And that's the injury he's been dealing with since prior to the Packers game. So, right. Yeah. So that's something, but. You know, one thing, you know, and, and so one thing we can hit before we move on to and, and talk to Chris Hogan here is, you know, Trevor Penning has been a punching bag. And we, we talked about this in, in Wednesday's episode in the film notes. He's been a punching bag for, for good reason, weeks one and two. And, you know, what you kind of looked at and said, OK, he just you, you don't overreact to a rookie left tackle after one game, after two games, because and, and I talked to him about it this week. It's like. You know, there's a point where you're seeing everything for the first time and you're reacting to it. And sometimes you're not handling it well. And it takes reps. Like there's no replacement for reps. And uh, this is what Trevor uh, had to say on that front. So this is really the first time that you've been able to get a, kind of a run of starts. So how has that kind of helped you? It's good. It's definitely good. I mean, getting the experience that I feel I need to keep developing. Um yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's the difference between practice and game. I mean, you try to emulate a game as much as you can in practice, but it's, it's hard. It's not the same. So, um, getting, getting the in game, um, you know, playing time in games, that's, I think that's going to help a lot. And, uh, you know, just, I'm just worried about keep going every week and uh, improving every week and just getting better and better at every little thing and just keep stacking them up. Is there a point where, you, you know, I feel like early on, is there stuff that you haven't seen it before, you kind of react to it for the first time? Is that something that over time, you know, you aren't surprised by as much? Yeah, you definitely you definitely see some things in game that you've learned from. And then, I mean, like mistakes that you can make. I mean, the way people line up, maybe they're maybe the, the DM's in a spike or something. It's just stuff you'll see in game and you're, you're going to learn from from reps. But yeah, and I mean, like that's that's kind of where you're at. Like you're you're not going to be perfect as a young player. You got to get better. And Deuce McAllister also talked about it on WWL this week. So uh, here's that. Oh, it's been night and day for him. And you know that was probably the biggest thing. He needed reps. He needed not only game reps, but he needed practice reps. And so to be able to get that, and and and, and look, the Saints, like we talked about early on, the Saints could help him with formations and just giving him chips and different things of that nature. He's got in his bag a couple of ways that he wants to attack a defender, um, you know, just based off of down and distance and knowing what he's going to get or knowing what to expect. And he's been able to really do a good job. And so, you know, I know the offensive line has been an issue as far as the, the numbers and the sacks, et cetera. But for, for Trevor, compared from the first two games to where he's at now, uh, it's night and day. And look, he still has to get better. He still can play better. He can be more dominant, you know, just more confident in what he's doing. But I know they've been encouraged to the progress that he's been able to make so far. Confidence is everything, especially for a young player. And there's going to be moments this season, like he's not done. There's going to be points this season where he gets beat. And everyone's going to be like, oh, no, it's, it's happening again. Young players, 
you know, you, you're, you're progressing. You're not going to be perfect every week. Um, but, you know, there was this idea after week one and week two that like, he doesn't have the footwork. He can't get it done. Move him to He's guard. a bust. What a He's waste. A bust. And, you know, while frust- it's frustrating to have to kind of deal with rookie struggles, and that's why you were planning on working him in slowly last year and not having to throw him to the wolves right away, and the injury made it so you didn't really have that choice, you know, it's you just got to have to deal with it. And I think he has handled it well. He just put his head down, you know, just worked, um, improved on the things he struggled at. He's always going to be a good run blocker. We knew that. But it's like you can't only be a good run blocker at left tackle. You also have to be able to pass protect. Uh, and if that's the case, if you're just a good run blocker, then you are a guard. But, yeah, so so that's, you know, of all the negative things, and you know, it's easy to kind of hammer on all the negative things, I think that is a very positive development for this team that whether whether you think it's reasonable or not, still believes that it can be successful on offense with the, with the people in the building. So that's that's all on that front. No, the great point with Penning, though, too, it's like, yeah, we haven't mentioned him in the last two weeks, and that's a good thing for an offensive lineman, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. And I mean, you're not going to notice it in real time. You're just going to know that Derek Carr hasn't been eaten alive. You know, Derek Carr, that's the thing. It's like with how the offensive line played this last week, if they can continue to improve and get better, you know, that excuse is now gone. Right. Like the first couple of weeks, you'd be like, well, he's running for his life. He's getting hit constantly. You know, it seems like if they play like they did against the Bucks. You know, the quarterback's got to play better. And that's another thing Deuce talked about. And I won't play the clip, but like there's only so many excuses you can make. Like your your quarterback, your $160 million quarterback has to play like $160 million quarterback. I don't care what plays you call. They called the play that got Chris Olave wide open up the sideline. Is that on Pete Carmichael that the ball got chucked at his feet? No, it's not. You know, and and, and like there's there's I think there is an element of blame to to be placed at the feet of a lot of people. Right. You know, and it's there's some of it at Pete. There's some of it at the game planning. There's some of it on on position coaches. There's but there's a lot of it just on the players themselves who have to get it done. And, you know, that's I think that's like, you know, these players, the players need to take ownership of that, too, and find ways to get to get things done. You know, Derek Carr is going to say all the right things. But as of now, to this point, he has played into every narrative that was already out there in terms of. He's just in, like it's not the it wasn't the defense that let him down in Oak in, in Oakland and in Vegas. He also let himself down and he let the team down in terms of elevating them to winning caliber football. Because through four games, I I would say that the two games they won were a product of a very good defense and not the quarterback or the offense elevating the team in any way. A thousand percent. And the two games right. they lost were the product of a very good defense not having its best day and the quarterback being unable to elevate them past that point. Now, obviously the green Bay game is tough to put on car because he went out at halftime and you know, he did, they did have two scoring drives in the first half. They put up 17 points with the, with the kick return, but you know, it's, you can only make excuses for so long at a certain point, you just got to go out there and get it done. And that's got to start this week. For sure, and it's it's not going to be easy. Obviously, it never is. But uh, Patriots, uh, while they've had their own struggles getting into the end zone, their defense is still pretty stout on there with Bill stout under there with Bill Belichick running the show still. Yeah, you know it's funny, and we'll we'll talk to Chris about this. It's like the I think the Patriots fans and the Saints fans are in very similar situations, and 
they've gotten very accustomed to winning football and good offense, great offense even, over the past decade, you know, decade plus. And suddenly they're looking at it like, man, we we have to win in in within like we have to win fifteen to ten. That's is that the only way we can win a football game right now, right? I mean, look, that's not great. Who wants to watch that? No, well, it's they're not putting that on game. national television. You've been watching and, Breeze and Brady. Yeah, and uh, and now the fans are trying to come to terms with like, man, defensive head coaches kind of stink when the offense isn't good. You know, like where's the innovation? Where's the where's the offensive nerd that's vaping on the sidelines? Oh gosh, give me a Gen Zer in there. <laughs> we'll have we'll have to hook Pete up with a vape. <laughs> if Pete starts vaping on the sidelines, now that would be, you know, if he starts like wearing like a yeah yeah the hoodie all too like like a snapback yeah yeah like in like backwards, <laughs> good stuff. But yeah, this is inside black and gold. We're we're going to talk to Chris Hogan, former Saints and Patriots wide receiver, mostly Patriots, uh, two time Super Bowl champion, one time Super Bowl not champion against Steve's Eagles. And uh, you know, I, I'm excited. He's a, he's a fun guy. I remember talking to him when he was here, and it was kind of a fascinating period. And because he was a, a, trying to be a professional lacrosse player, and then the Saints right. were like, "Hey, Chris, you want to come uh, want to come over and and try it out one more time?" And hey, he caught a touchdown in the Saints uniform. Which, you know, how many people have caught touchdowns this year? Like three? Rashid, Jimmy Graham. Is that it? Rashid, Jimmy, and we got to be missing something. I don't think so. I think they ran for they ran for two against oh, Carolina. Right, right. Yeah, there you go. And they kicked field goals. I think Rashid was the only touchdown against Tennessee. There could have they been like would have could have should have with Olave, but that doesn't count. Yes, obviously, Olave would have caught one, but then they called it back because his foot was on the line, and they ran right. that touchdown in. So I think pretty, I'm pretty sure, and they obviously didn't throw one against uh, Tampa. So no, nothing against Tampa. So yeah, the, there's no. Crit- we, we talk about burning, you know, game footage. That was another one. I don't want to ever see that game again. Jimmy Graham. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Chris Hogan in his Saints career has as much touchdown catches as any Saints receiver this year. That's telling. Anyway. Maybe uh, we can so, sign him this week. So that'll be a really fun conversation. Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. You know, leave us a rating. Leave us a review. I always do appreciate it. We have some nice reviews in there. And, uh, yeah, it's always nice to kind of get feedback. You know, people say, you know, Steve Steve says uh, kind of thing too much. Oh, you know, this was funny. We got a comment one time. uh that someone was like, let's do a drinking game where uh, you know, take a shot every time Steve says kind of thing. And I was like, that sounds like a trip to the hospital. <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing where we all have our ticks. Well, it's just funny because like, I don't remember bringing it up. I've told you about that. Like we've talked about it independently off the pod, but yeah, I don't yeah. think I brought it up on the pod. So it was kind of funny to see someone comment it, comments about it because it's just like this, this quirk that I, I, you didn't even realize you were doing it, right? No, and I'm sure, like, I make fun of Pete Carmichael for saying, I think this. I'm sure he doesn't realize he's doing that. So, yeah, I have no reason, no room to talk. The other thing the Saints coaches do, and Sean did this, and Mickey does did does this, and so does DA, is they, they say something, and then they say, and yet, we have to be better. I think he, I think, like, both of, like, this week, I feel like I've heard, like, we're going to talk yet? to Pete Carmichael today, and I guarantee you there's going to be at least two times in that interview he's going to say, and yet... We have to be better. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, we've heard it because obviously 
the talk all this week was because it was like raining down negativity, everybody in panic mode. And it was like, yes, we understand we're not performing at the level we want. There's no panic in this room. And yet that, that need, that urgency is there to get better. Yeah, I think one of the lines from Mickey was like, we're at two and two, the sky is not falling. And yet we have to <laughs> pretend that it is, you know, where we have to we have to act like it is or something like that. Um, it's, it's just how it goes. Go ahead. They, they know, right? Obviously, no, they, they see the same damn things we are. Yeah, and there's we- concern. They, they, they can play it off like there's no concern, there's concern. And, and, and yet they know they have to be better. Uh, but all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Chris Hogan, get into a lot of, you know, his memories from the Saints. And then we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the Saints-Patriots matchup. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a telling game determine, to determine, which, like, one of these teams is going to come out of this feeling a lot better about themselves. One of these teams is going to come out of this feeling a lot worse. And, uh, you know, Saints want to be on the right side of that. So keep it locked on Inside Black and Blue. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Inside Black Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, always alongside Eve Geller. And as promised, we're bringing in special guests, former Patriots and Saints, and honestly, a few other teams. <laughs> I know the Bills, 49ers, Giants for a period of time. Wide receiver Hogan. He's now the host of the Patriots Report with Price and Hogan. We're going to get into some preview stuff for the Saints-Patriots matchup going on. But, you know, first things first, I don't want to catch up. But, you know, how have you been? What have you been up to the last few years? You know, recently retired, I still consider myself spending a lot more time with the family. You know, over the course of my career, I, you know, I have four kids now, but I always lived apart during the season. So I get to, uh, you know, do the real job of playing dad uh, and husband. So that's, that's been uh, pretty fun for me. And then I've, I've opened up a gym here in Farmdale, keeping me busy, you know, really tailored toward athletes, physical therapy, kind of all the stuff that I, you know, was passionate about my career and, you know, trying to bring that here to the island and, it's fun for me. I mean, my kids are getting older. They're starting to get into sports. So hopefully I can kind of, you know, steer them in the right direction of, you know, how to train for sport and how to, you know, the right way about going it and, you know, just be, have fun with it and be, you know, energetic about it and, and enjoy it. You know, and it's certainly not something that, you know, I love sports, you know, love football, loved growing up playing stuff. So it's, it's important to me that my kids kind of do the same. I was going to say, how did you find that transition of going from being the player to now being kind of the part of the media? It's tough. <laughs> but uh, honestly, it, yeah, I doing this, the podcast that I've had with Chris Price, it's been so much fun for me because after I retired, I was so 
I can't watch football because I just, you know, I, I still miss it. I mean, I still miss it every single Sunday when I turn it on. And, and, but now that, you know, being on the opposite side of things and, you know, you kind of watch things a little bit differently, right? You're kind of looking at people's react, you know, players' reactions towards different things and what's going on throughout the day or, or you know, throughout the week. And, yeah, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's something that it's, it's been enjoyable for me to get back into the game of football. Um, and to talk about it every single, every single week has been fun for me. You know, this, that's something that I haven't lost. You know, I love talking football. I love talking sports. You know, it doesn't really matter what it is. You know, I'm a competitor, so I can kind of insert myself into these games and know how these guys are thinking and what's going on with them throughout the week. So, um, it's been it's been a lot of fun for me and and uh, something that I hope I can continue doing. Yeah. So so Chris, kind of kind of going back in time, the 2021 season. We referenced this quickly, but you know, you, you joined. I know midway through training camp, you were there when the team had to relocate to. Yeah. I think it was Dallas for Ida. Yep. The the home road game in Jacksonville. You caught a touchdown in that game. I'm I'm just curious. Is there you know when you kind of look back on that and you know that that period of time with the team it, it honestly it's really fascinating because it was like Jameis Winston was the quarterback it ended yeah. up being Sean Payton's final year Drew Brees had just retired yeah. you know do, do you have any kind of interesting memories from that time because I think it's like just this really fascinating period in, in yeah season. I mean it was a, a crazy year right I mean I was I was playing a completely different professional sport um, yeah. yes. during that summer and <laughs> I did always have kind of aspirations of going back and playing football um, cause I knew I could still do it. And, uh, the, and the saints called and, you know, I would never pass up a chance to play for coach Payton. You know, that was somebody that I kind of admired throughout my career as, as you know, how he coached and, and the teams that he coached. And, you know, even with, you know, Drew would have been, that would have been icing on top of the cake if I got to play with him and Tom. Um, but, you know, playing with Jameis was, was awesome as well. And, and, getting coached by coach Payton was, was a really, really unique and cool experience. Something that I can kind of compare to really awesome coaches that I got to play for, you know, even throughout my career, I played for a lot of good coaches, but playing for coach Belichick, playing for coach Payton was pretty cool. Um, you know, that year was kind of like a cluster, right? I mean, we were in training camp. It's a hundred freaking degrees every single day. Like, I mean, I'm used to, I'm, I was so used to that Boston perfect August, you know, it's a cool, 80 degrees with a little bit of humidity and that go down to new Orleans. And I'm like, gosh, I mean, this is different <laughs> in training camp down. We had the cooling box that I've never right. seen before in my life. Um, so it was different. And then obviously, you know, Ida happened and we had to relocate and um, credit to the saints organization, man. I mean, that was like a seamless transition for us. They put us in a fantastic place. Um, you know, TCU, we got to practice there. We got to practice the Dallas opened their doors for us. So um, I think that team made the best of a really crappy situation, you know, not even, not even for us as a team, but just for that whole community in New Orleans was going through it. Right. I mean, we got put into a resort. These, a lot of other people were struggling during Ida. So like that, you know, it was kind of a, it was an emotional kind of crazy time, I think, for everybody dealing with their families and, you know, back home and, and all of that. And, you know, still having to focus and try to play a football game, you know, and, you know, we did that pretty well. I mean, we went to, you know, Jacksonville, let us use their stadium and, you know, we got to go there and play a pretty good team of the Packers and got a pretty, I would say, moral victory, right. For, for us and as, as a team. And then for, for the whole city of new Orleans, you know, it was, it was a, it was a pretty crazy time to say the least. 
Did you have any kind of inkling that Sean was close to getting out of New Orleans? <laughs> was there any kind of hints? Not, not, not really. You know, it's, <laughs> I know it's like, you know, it's a, it's a different transition, right? You know, he's played, you know, he coached a quarterback obviously for so long. And, you know, there's obviously, you know, everyone has a, there's an end date at the, uh, for for this career, obviously for everybody. And to be honest with you, the the amount of work that these coaches, you know, and I give so much credit for the guys that stay stay in this league for so long, right? Coach Payton, Belichick, you know, all these guys that do this for their whole careers. I mean, the amount of work that goes into it with these guys between the off seasons, scouting, game planning. I mean, there's you know us as players. There's so much that goes into it for the training and the preparation, but these guys go to another level, man. I mean, they don't leave the facility. You know, some of these guys sleep at the facility, <laughs> you know, some the scouting, you know. So I had no idea that he was going to leave. Um, all I can say about Coach Payton was it was just – it was an awesome, awesome experience that I got to listen to him, be coached by him. Um, he certainly has a ton of stories because we had so many connections between, you know, Belichick and, you know, his years playing in New England. So that was certainly fun for me to, to you know – to play with him and kind of interact with him. So again, just very fortunate to be able to be coached by two, two really, you know, hands down some of the best coaches that have Elite, coached right. the game football. And, and you know, Chris, obviously you know a thing or two about successful football teams. Like you were in three straight Super Bowls, which is really kind of fascinating to think about in terms of like, you know, how many guys have gone to three straight Super Bowls ever, yeah. you know, and, and I, it's crazy to me, you know, you still own the Patriots single game playoff record with 180 receiving yards which when you think about how many playoff games and how many great receivers they've had, that's really kind of amazing. But, you know, so you, I think you're in a unique position here to kind of weigh in because anytime a team is struggling, you know this, like one yep. of the first people in the crosshairs is the offensive coordinator and the play oh, yeah. calling. <laughs> and right now, the, the Saints offense, you know, dating back to last year, struggled. So Pete Carmichael, a guy that, you know, was there, he obviously, Sean Payton was there, so he was kind of the second fiddle in terms of the play calling. But, you know, what were your impressions of him when you were here? You know, what did he do? Well, what did you think of him uh, in terms of that position? So, I mean, first and foremost, I have the utmost respect for for Pete and and him as a coach. I think as the as an offensive coordinator, especially when you get complete control of an offense, you know, you're you're you try to figure out your offense's identity, and I think that changes through you know every single year. You know, personnel changes. Um, you know, you have a different quarterback, wide receivers, injuries. You know, all of that kind of stuff. So. Pete's a very smart guy. I think what a lot of these offenses in their early struggles in the beginning part of the season, there's still a lot of football left to be played for both of these teams, right? And that are coming into this game, New England I'm talking about, and now the Saints. Right. You know, I think we're just – I think these teams are still trying to figure out their identity, like who they're going to be as an offense. I mean, they just got Alvin back, so now like he adds a whole different you know dynamic to their offense. And now we have to kind of – we got to go back and, and see how our offense is going to – you know, establish the run game, how, how our defense is going to play us now that Alvin's back and, and when he's out there or when he's playing receiver because he's so dynamic and where you can line them up. So um, I think that Pete's going to figure it out. I mean, he's got a lot of a lot of talented players on that offense um, and a lot of guys that he wants to get the hand, you know, the ball in their hands. Right. So I think that's also that that's also a struggle. You know, you want everyone to touch it because there's so many explosive players on that offense. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's really just kind of figuring out the best way of going about that throughout the season. And I think, you know, I think you'll start to see things, you know, get better and better, um, as the season goes on. 
you're obviously a, a gym rat guy, you know, uh, with your, you know, your new business, uh, your career, uh, being able to last in the NFL kind of thing. What was it like working with wide receiver Michael Thomas? We've heard so much about his kind of work ethic and what he yeah. puts into things. And I'm just curious your take on it. Yeah. So interesting with, with Mike was, I, you know, I, di- I didn't get to spend so much time with him because he was injured, yeah. you know, during the time that I was there. But what I can tell you is, is what everyone else told me. And as that you. guy practices, like no <laughs> one you've ever seen practice before. And I saw it, I saw it in the weight room. I saw it in, you know, with him doing physical therapy. Um, you know, I saw the work that he's putting in and, and everyone told me that this guy doesn't matter, does not matter that the day, um, the Friday, the Saturday walkthrough before practice, this dude had cleats on, you know, and running full speed where most guys are walking in, you know, flip-flops or, you know, just sneakers, right? So I thought that was crazy to me because, like, Saturdays for me, you know, and I consider myself a, a, a guy that had a really, really hard work ethic and everything. But, again, right. you know, in my brain, I'm like, Saturday, okay, cool, let me take it easy, make sure that I'm good for Sunday. But – these guys were going out there for Saturday work walkthroughs with cleats on. I'm like, what, what's going on here? What, what am I, what am I walking into? You know? And, uh, yeah, I was like, no, this is how Mike does it. You know? And he wants to run, you know, still, he wants to get through the workouts. He wants to kind of have a little bit of the timing. And, and, uh, I, you know, what? I love that. That kind of just goes to show you the type of work ethic and the type of player that he is. Um, and, you know, I know he's battled a lot of injuries over the past couple of years, but I think that, you know, he puts in the work to, get himself ready and available to be on the field. Um, and a guy that I watched my whole career, you know, I was never a guy that was, you know, considered a, a fast guy, right? Like, I mean, I consider myself the fast guy, but you know, maybe most defense didn't plan for me to be kind of taking the top off of things. So like Mike was a guy that I watched my whole career, you know, like his releases, how physical he was at the line of scrimmage, just the way that he would, He's so aggressive in, in his in the way that he runs routes and how he catches the football. Like, dude, that was a guy that I em- tried to emulate some of my game off of. Um, and I would say that goes for a lot of younger receivers that you know try to be as you know aggressive and um, so technical in his route in their routes. And in twenty eight reps at two twenty five. I mean, you you got that <laughs> physicality down too. I, I spent a good time was, on the that would be young. Game. That was a young Chris Hogan <laughs> and, and twenty pounds heavier too. <laughs> I dropped a little weight after that. <laughs> gotcha. You know, and I promise we, we will talk about the the matchup coming up. So my last impertinent question: This is a Saints podcast, and one thing about the Saints fans is they will never miss an opportunity to throw a 28-3 meme out in the world. And that's the game you were a part of. And I just have to ask, you know, like how how crazy was that to be a part of in real time? Because it's like you're looking at it, and it's like 28-3. to three. Any point you're looking at that score, it could be midway through the third quarter. It could be the first half. It feels like impossible. Like this game is over yeah. as long as they do their job. But, you know, what was that like to be a part of in real time? Because it's just crazy. To I, will, I will say that the – the overall thinking of this is impossible never creeped into anyone's mind. Maybe, I mean, maybe not. I mean, I know in the, in the minds of our offense and Tom and Julian, Danny, the guys that we, James White, you know, the guys that we had, the guys that have been there, the guys that have played in these games before. I mean, listen, man, we played the worst half of football that we played in all the entire season. 
You know, there were some times where we had to battle some adversity, but there was nothing like that. Right. And, and this is, this is it. I mean, this was the last game of the season this is the biggest stage. And we went down and we took that, that huge deficit and went into halftime and be like, listen, we did everything wrong. We didn't do, we need a lot of things to go right for us, but we're, we're not the type of team that's ever going to roll over and just accept defeat. That was, that was up and down the line. Right. There wasn't there wasn't this big rah-rah speech at halftime. You know, it didn't need to be said. It was we got embarrassed on national television in the biggest stage for a half of football. And we're not going to let that happen for the next 30 minutes. You know, for the third and fourth quarter, we're going to do everything humanly possible, play good football and see what happens. And, you know, that's the type of team that we were. We didn't wow anybody on stat sheets with who we had on our roster. Right. We started the game at me, Julian and Danny as starting receivers. You know, we had James White in the backfield. Obviously, we had Tom. You know, our defense was spectacular. Right. And even them, you know, they went out and probably played the worst that they had played. You know, and we had a great you know, we had two weeks to prepare for this team and still gave up 28 points in the first half. And that was very unlike our defense. And, um, you know, we just did things that were very out of character for us, you know, throwing a pick six, you know, turn the ball over. That was stuff that we just preached not to do. But I will say this. Once we started climbing back into that game, it became more and more attainable. We were like, nah, I think that we have a chance to win this thing. And then, you know, when we won the coin, you know, the uh, uh, in overtime, when we won the coin flip, I, I told I knew it was a wrap. <laughs> I knew it was a wrap when we called the play on the goal line. Like I knew that play. I knew what was going to be called. Teams who caught it, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. To me, the defining characteristic of those teams was that it was just like waves on a beach. It was like inevitable. Like if you give them enough chances, it just it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, But let's get into you know we're gonna we're gonna take a break here. We're talking to Chris Hogan, two-time Super Bowl champion, host of the Patriots Report with Price. And Hogan, we're going to take a break. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk about the current version of the Patriots. They're facing the Saints this week. Patriots 1-3, and three, Saints 2-2. Two and two, A couple of teams that I think think they are much better than their record indicates. So this is Inside Black and Gold. Stick around. On Inside Black and Gold, Jeff Nowak, Steve Geller, still with two-time Super Bowl champion, former Patriots and Saints wide receiver and host of Patriots Report with Price and Hogan, Chris Hogan. And, you know, these two teams are interesting to me because I feel like, you know, while the Saints are obviously on a new coaching regime, there are a lot of similarities with where the Saints and Patriots have found themselves over the last few years. You're, you're turning around from the most successful period in the team's history, you know, in, in both instances, and things haven't particularly gone as you might have hoped, right? You know, there's been off misses. There's been, you know, missed draft picks or whatever, you know, maybe not the type of offense that you're used to. And I know that's a source of frustration for a fan base that kind of got used to the highest level of success. And so, yeah. you know, I look at this current Patriots team and just the state of the, the, state of the Patriots, you know, what is kind of your, your, you know, view of how things have gone and how things are going right now? Yeah, I mean... You know, I think the beginning of the season has obviously not gone the way that they've wanted it to go. I think that New England is hurting themselves. You know, we're 
first couple games of the season, we turned the ball over too many times, um, not taking care of it. And ball security in the NFL is, is your Achilles heel. I mean, if you turn the ball over in the NFL, your, your, your chances of losing a football game go through the roof. Um, so that's, that's number one. I think that, I think that new England really hasn't had the opportunity to establish themselves, um, you know, kind of create that identity that I kind of talk about as an offense, you know, because we're always, we're playing from behind and it's tough to get into a rhythm or get into what you want to do as, as an offense, um, you know, to win football games, if you're always playing from behind, um, you know, we haven't, you know, there were a couple of, you know, the, the, in the Jets game, I thought we did some really good things. We, we ran the ball well. Uh, you know, we had the play action going. We had some plays down the field, um, you know, which we really didn't have in the first couple of games. Mac really didn't really have any attempted throws that were over, you know, let's just call it 15 yards. So we weren't really trying to push the ball down the field and make those big, big time, you know, plays that can really change the, you know, the, the pace of, of a game. Um Defensively, I, you know, I, I really I like where we're at. You know, D, uh, New England has always history, right? They've always had a good defense. They've had guys that are good playmakers. They have guys that are good role players. Uh, you know, really, um, yeah, I feel bad for the young kid, uh, Christian Gonzalez, that, you know, hurt his shoulder in the last game because he was playing so well in the first four games of the season. Um, you know, you saw him. He was matched up against some really good receivers and – you know, he was doing a very good job, you know, matched up on Tyree kill, you know, and, and I know he wasn't following them around, but you know, right. held Tyree, you know, we held Tyreek to 45 yards. You know, he got matched up on Garrett Wilson, you know, down in the red zone a couple of times, one-on-one where they clearly were trying to get him the football, did a really good job on, you know, the offensive rookie of the year last year. So he was, so he was progressing so much and, and so it hurts to see him get hurt. I, you know, I wish him the best and I hope he gets healthy and continues his, his growth as a player. You know, so I think the team right now uh, for New England, I would say the same thing for the Saints, right? You've had a couple of these close games. You know, I know that we had a tough one in Dallas. Dallas is a very good football team and they put it on us, right? But we turned the ball over in the red zone. We, you know, turn the, you know, pick six things that you don't, you don't put your defense in the best possible, you know, you, there's no way to succeed in that way. You know, there's going to be points put up. So I think for New England, it's really, it's, it's not about, it's not about the Saints, and for the Saints, it's not about New England. I think it's really about the teams in general, right? It's about it's about what do we have to do as a team to keep ourselves from from losing football games, and how do we how do we just continue to grow as a football team? How do we get better? How do we put ourselves in in better positions throughout football games? You know, how do we play more offense, defense, you know, special teams, complementary football? all of those three phase, you know, all those phases have to work together to win these football games. So I don't think that in for either team, one phase or all three phases have worked well together throughout an entire 60 minutes of a football game. Um, and I think that's gotta be the focus. You know, you can't worry about your opponent every single week right now. Like that's, we're so early in the season and things can change drastically over the next, you know, the course of the next quarter of the season. Right. So it's like, why, why are we going to worry about who's coming in or who we have next week? Let's worry about what we're doing wrong. Like, let's get, let's correct that. Let's get better at the, the basics that maybe we haven't been doing for the first quarter. And now let's see what happens if we go out and we play, we play well, we don't turn the ball over. We have, you know, establish a run game, you know, get bigger, get big plays down the field. Guys got to step up, right? 
I think Saints have guys that have been there for a long time. They have leaders in that locker room. New England has the same thing. There are a lot of new faces, but there are a lot of guys that have been there. They know what it takes to win football games. They know what it takes to go play into January, right? That's the goal. So as for those guys, you got to just, you got to, those young guys, the guys that haven't been there, like their learning curve has got to go, you know, pretty quickly. Um, and they're, they're there to help them do that. So not all is lost for either of these teams. I think, <laughs> you know, I still, I still firmly believe, it. I know Saints have a very good football team, great organization. New England has a good football team. They're just struggling right now. And I think it's the urgency has to go up for both of them. Um, I think that they need to figure it out now as opposed to later down the line. Cause you know, I've been on those teams before and it's certainly not fun if you don't have an entire roster bought into winning football games because December, November is, can be a very brutal couple of months. <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned urgency. That's exactly what like general manager, Mickey Loomis, uh, head coach, Dennis Allen have mentioned going into this week. There's no panic button, just that heightened sense yep. of urgency. Uh, looking at the pads though is, is Mac Jones that dude? Is he that guy to lead the way for this team, man? Uh, listen, I, I got to believe that, uh, first of all, there's no one else that you're going to put back there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's the reality of the situation. We're not, let's not, let's not make some crazy, you know, change right now where it's going to change the whole more, you know, confidence of our offense and, uh, and as our team. We don't need to make that change. I've seen some very good things from Mac Jones in the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, we did throw some turnovers and, you know, we were playing in some weather that was not great. And we had some guys not toe tap on the sideline. We didn't get two feet down. Now we're going in to tie a football game or, you know, we turn the ball over in the red. You know, these are all things that happen in the course of a football game. But, yeah, we're all going to point fingers at the one who touches the football every single day. But he was doing some good things. He He was making some good throws. I think that last weekend is not a good representation of who he is as a quarterback. Throwing the ball across the field doesn't work in the NFL, right? Yeah. Defenses are going to prey on that. You know, turn the ball over in the red zone. You know, when you're scrambling, you got to know that these dudes are coming after it with one job and one idea in mind is that's just to, to rip the ball out of your hands and create a turnover. So those are things that, you know, I just, again, you, we talk about urgency, right? You got to learn from this stuff. You got to learn from your mistakes, not let it happen again, and just get back to, you know, making the good throws, making the right decisions. You know, I, that's on the coaches as much as it is on players. You know, like, let's prepare. Let's put all of our guys in the best possible position to win a football game or win their matchup. So I would, you know, really expect Pete, you know, Dennis, you know, Bill, Billy O'Brien, like all of those guys, you know, to come out with a, a pretty fire game plan this week for all of their guys to succeed. You know, I think that's what they're focused on, you know, Offense, defense, special teams. How do we put our guys in the best possible way to succeed and to win a football game? There's a lot in common between these teams, and it's like even the things they say about themselves are seem, seem to be similar. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that that is very true of the Saints that I know is true of the Patriots as well. They love bringing players back, right? They're yeah. not. Sometimes they'll let guys walk. You know, they're not going to. You know just go crazy to keep a guy around if he's getting offered a crazy deal in the open market like okay go get your deal but you know like we saw it with Malcolm Jenkins we saw it with Patrick yeah. Robinson like they'll bring him back 
when the time is right. And, you know, the Patriots are doing that this week with J.C. Jackson, a guy who went out to L.A. and, you know, things didn't particularly go well, but the Patriots know exactly who this guy is. So I'm curious, Mm -hmm. do you think he's going to be able to step in this week? You know, obviously he it doesn't have to learn the system too much. He's been here or been there, I should say. So big, do you think he's going to be able to step Jackson in? And- fan. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. I think for, for players, especially you have so much success in new England and then going to a different organization, you know, I would say the grass is always not greener on the other side sort of thing. And, you know, you go to a different system and you go get coached by a different guy, you know, things might be a little bit different. You might not, you know, be in the same kind of environment for you to succeed. JC has all the talent in the world to be a very, very, very good cor- uh, corner. And he was a very good corner for us when he played as a, as a rookie. A guy that stepped up and made some big-time plays and in some big-time situations. So he's going to be thrust into that role. You know, I got to fully expect that Bill's going to expect a lot from him. And they need it, right? They lost a guy. They got a bunch of young guys in the secondary. You know, they need someone to, to go out there and to be able to be that, you know, that that lockdown corner, that guy that they can expect to be, you know, be in big time matchups to make some big plays. So, you know, I love JC coming back to new England. Um, I think Bill's going to have, you know, some really good conversations with him and set some pretty realistic expectations for him to come back and, and try to get this team, you know, back on track to winning football games. Uh, Looking at the uh, home field advantage, obviously, Foxborough, one of the better venues, I would imagine, in football. And surprisingly, this team 0-2 to start the year. But I got to imagine those fans are going to be coming pretty fired up into this one. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. The fans are definitely not used to losing that many games at home. I mean, you know, statistically, we win a lot of games at home. I mean, I think I've, over the course of my career, I think I maybe lost two two games at home. So, you know, that's a, I think that's a real thing for, for new England. I think being able to kind of stay in your routine, you know, you're at your home stadium, um, the fans, you know, that whole environment is going to be still fired up, man. I mean, they're, they're some of the best fan bases that I've been around in my career. So, you know, I hope that they're able to kind of feed off of that energy. You know, you never know at Foxborough. I mean, hopefully it's a nice day on Sunday because we haven't had many, you know, great days over the, you know, in at home. You know, it's always kind of been crappy weather, but, you know, that's kind of playing in New England, right? I mean, that's that's how it is. You know, the weather's kind of always kind of up in the air. So, you know, hopefully we get a nice day for both teams to, you know, really kind of just battle it out and, you know, really fighting for a win. You know that they I'll need. have the spoiled fan base though dealt with not having Tom around anymore. <laughs> are they are they piling it on Bill Belichick right now? No, I don't. Th- there's so much there's so much respect in that fan base for okay. for Bill and what he's done for that organization for that community. It, you know it, it's tough. I yeah, I think fans are just they're they're in this this weird universe where they don't know what to, you know who to point fingers at yeah. and. I think it's just they, this team just needs to show show that show that fight. You know, they're looking. I think the fans are looking for the spark. I think that the team is looking for that spark. And once they get that, they're going to go all in on it and and hopefully just run with that. You know, so I think they're just looking for guys to step up and be and be leaders on the team and and, and on the field and and specifically on Sundays for them to go out there and try to succeed. Right, we're talking to former NFL wide receiver Chris Hogan. I appreciate the time so much. And one more question, just based on, you know, the NFL is fascinating for for a lot of reasons. One being 
anything can happen any given week. You look at the Cowboys and they've outscored their opponents, what, 110 to 13 yeah. uh, over their three wins. But then they go out and lose the, the Cardinals, right? <laughs> a team that is starting Josh Dobbs. And, you know, the Dolphins go out and beat the Broncos by 50. And then they go yeah. to Buffalo and lose by 28. You know, it's yeah. it's fascinating. And so the, the Patriots are one and three. They have losses to the Eagles. Dolphins and Cowboys through very good teams. Yep. And so you look at a one in three team that probably believes they're a lot better than that. And so my question is, and this is a long winded way to get to that, but you know, the Patriots win this game. If like what has to go right for the Patriots to, to, for you to feel confident the Patriots walk out of this game with a win. My number one thing is not turn the ball over. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's the, that's the biggest factor in all of our losses that we've had at home on the road, You know, I don't know what happens in that game against the Cowboys. You know, I think that Dallas is a very good football team. I think that they might have come come out of that with a win no matter what. Tough to go on the road there and play. But, you know, you look back on these games and and where we've turned the ball over and how many turnovers we created and how many lack of turnovers we created on the other side. You know, it's tough, man. You're giving up teams other possessions to score. And, um, you know, it's just – it's really hard to win football games in the NFL without turning the football over. And every single week, you really have no idea, right? We talk about it. You just said it. You know, you, you just never know what team's going to show up every single week. And so for them, I think Max got a good do a really good job of distributing the football. I think that he's got to make the right reads. He doesn't have to do any of these, have these outer body experiences where he needs to throw the ball, you know, make these huge plays every single drive. You know, I think he's got to make the right reads, receivers, tight ends, running backs, you know, they all got to step up, you know, make, you know, make the best of the opportunities they get when the football comes to them. Um, and on the defensive side of things, you know, they got, they got some shoes to fill, you know, they lost Matthew Judon, they lost Christian Gonzalez. Those are big shoes to fill. So um, I would fully expect the leaders on that, you know, and on the defensive side of ball for them to, you know, pretty be, you know, pretty excited this week during practice, um, you know, knowing that they have these shoes to fill uh, and be excited for the guys that build builds the next man up type of guy. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, we lose Matthew, we lose Christian. You know, we, we can't sit here and, and, and sulk about it. Right. It's who, who do we have next? Right. That guy, you got to prepare even when you weren't playing as you were going to be a starter. So now, you, now you're thrust into that position. You got it. You got to perform, you know, or it's going to be the next guy up. Right. So we're going to put those guys in the best possible position to win football games and for them to be successful. And then I think, uh, you know, on the, the special team side of things, I think that new England's done a really good job of trying to create some, you know, some big plays. I mean, we had, you know, we had the block kick, you know, we've done a pretty good job when the, you know, Field position battle will be, I think, a, a big thing for this team, uh, especially with two good defenses kind of battling it out, right? So I think that'll be huge on Sunday. And um, again, you know, winning the turnover battle. Like that's week by week. I, I'm gonna, it's gonna beat a dead horse with that one. You know, it's you can't you can't <laughs> say that enough. We work with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. That's his stat every week, too, the turnover yeah. margin. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if you look at the stats, you know, you turn the ball over once and you're, the probability of you winning that football game goes way down, way, way down. You know, so that's got to be the key. I know Bill is preaching that. You know, I know he's been preaching that, but I know it's probably extra. You know, we're probably watching ball security film every single day. We're doing pra- in practice. That's what we're starting with. We're probably ending with it, too, to be honest with you. 
And that's something that he's going to preach all the way up until Sunday is ball security, ball security, ball security. And we do that. You know, that was always his thing. You know, we can't, we can't win until we keep ourselves from losing. Right. And that's going to be the biggest thing. That's going to be how they're, they're going to approach this game. Uh, we can't worry about who's coming in. We got to, we got to take care of new England. What's going on with us, you know, figure ourselves out and do, do our best prepare, do your job. You know, that, that it's always kind of odd for me to always bring that up in these situations, but that's what it's about, man. It's do your job. You know, we don't have to, there's nobody out there that's going to win the football game by themselves. If you got all, all guys, you know, the entire team up and down the roster doing their job throughout that game, you know, then, then, then we see, you can look, you can turn on the game film and say, everyone here did their job, you know, and let's see what happens at the end of the day. That is always the funny thing to me. It's like, if you just do the simple things well, yeah. you're going to win a lot of football games. You can, yeah. you can make highlights, but if you do the simple things like hold on to the dang ball, <laughs> your life's going to be a lot easier. Yeah. But all right, Chris Hogan, thanks so much for the time. Check out Patriot support with price and Hogan. If you'd like to go behind enemy lines and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens this weekend. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks guys. Appreciate you. One of the best names and nicknames in the NFL, Mr. Seven <laughs> Eleven. Appreciate that. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Thanks again to Chris Hogan for coming on. Thought that was really interesting. And like I said, you know, he was here for one of the most fascinating periods of Saints history that no one ever talks about. In that, you know, the, the relocation from Ida. We didn't even talk about it. Remember, there was a fire. The the gut. Everyone. Everyone learned what a gutter tub was because there was right. a fire at the Superdome while they were relocated. And it How was just like, yeah, there's yeah. flooding, there's fires. Then they beat the Packers 38-3, to a team that went on to go to the NFC Championship as the Saints missed the playoffs. Oh, anyway, it's, uh, you know, I think that's a good, just a good example of like, and then look at the Patriots right now as a good example of like, you know, things change quickly in the NFL. This was a, this was the Cowboys team coming off a loss to the Cardinals, but well, they got manhandled. It wasn't even a close game. Like it wasn't like it came down to the end and the Cardinals made a play. They dominated. And then they showed up in new England and won 38 to three, or I don't know. Was it in new England? No, they're in, they're in Dallas. Okay, They're in Dallas. Never they were mind. in Dallas, but either way they lost 38 to three. Yeah. And they, their one win was uh, at New York at the jets. So yeah, they are 0 two at home, but you know, that's how quickly things can change, right? You lose to the Cardinals then show up and, and beat the Patriots 38 to three. You know, like I mentioned, the Dolphins, like you beat the Broncos by 50 and then you lose by 28 to the to the Bills. It's, you know, things can change quickly in the NFL. And that's why, you know, I think the Saints believe that things can change quickly for them, too. Like, I think one positive performance, one game where you put up three touchdowns on offense and things start to look like they're headed in the right direction. And I think this this whole this whole season will feel a lot differently. The problem is you got to do that. And. To this point, we have not seen a team that looks capable of doing that. But, hey, last last time they went up to New England, it kind of got things on track because uh, it was a similar situation. You had just come off of a loss to the Panthers in week two. This time it's week four against the Bucks. But, like, that Panthers game up in Carolina after that Packers game, Chris Hogan was on the Saints for that game, and they kind of took it to the Patriots. Mr. McCorkle, that's his middle name, by the way, because you didn't know that, Michael McCorkle-Jones. You know, they, he threw the ball 50 times, and then the Saints, that was his rookie season, they kind of they kind of took him for a ride in that game. I know they had three interceptions. Marshawn had one with a broken hand. Um, and so if you can do that again and come home three and two, well, I guess they're still on the road, but 
head to Houston three and two, I think feels things feel a lot differently. So that's, this is me kind of with my, you know, unearned optimism saying, you know, it would sure be nice if this team could find a way to give people some confidence that this is not going to be the entire season of, you know, oh, maybe we can win 12 to nine, you know. To me, at least, uh, I'll look at the positive of I feel like the offensive line has made strides from week one uh, even, until we saw them at that Tampa game. I didn't think they were one of the main issues, obviously, in that matchup. So I'm going to look at that positive along with a little bit healthier Derek Carr going into this week, dealing with that shoulder. And hopefully this offense, let's find the end zone, please, please. No more, uh, you know, double reverses on second and five in the red zone. Let's just score. Let's do that. Let's score. Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again, Chris Hogan, for coming on. And, uh, yeah, we're getting ready for week five, Saints two and two, Patriots one and three up in Foxborough. It's going to be windy, a little cold, but, hey, that's October in New England. They're going to get it done. All right. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, it's at Jeff underscore Nowak, at Steve Geller WWL, and at Saints underscore pod. Check out WWL.com for the latest news, notes, and analysis, and check out Sports Talk every day, 4 to 8 p.m. on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3, and always on the free Odyssey app. Steve, get ready. I'm ready, and like I said, I want to get into the end zone. No more three. No more kick and field goals. I need end zone action. I don't even want extra points. I want eight. Give me eight every time. <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all. Who that? Be easy. Peace.